2: oh, whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: Yeah. Sometimes we laugh, and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Guests appear on the Smile Center Baby. Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Cool Show. Live from the Service Master by Cornerstone like Studios on 929 FM, Baby. ESPN. We took a trip, now we on your block, and it's like a ghost town. Baby, where did these be at when they said they're The last 26 starts for most of the NBA tonight. And uh, to talk about it, we bring on Trevor Lane. He is from Lakers Nation. He also does the front office show with Keith Smith. He is on X at Trevor underscore Lane. Trevor, how's it going, man?
1: Oh, doing well. Happy to have basketball back tonight. The All Star Game that didn't really count. It feels like it's been a lifetime <laughs> right. since we've seen an NBA game on. So, uh, so I'm excited to get things back and moving again tonight.
0: Did you? Uh, I, I I I I'm uh, hesitant to ask this question. Did you uh, enjoy the All Star break? Ah,
1: uh, you know what? I did because I went uh, I went on vacation, man. I, just, I knew <laughs> what was coming with this. All-Star. I said, forget it. I'm not going to waste my time on the All Star game. That was a mess. Um, all-star saturday night was interesting that was a little bit more fun but yeah the all-star game itself no i got out of town and uh and didn't miss a thing
0: yeah and we're just talking about fixes that's what we do we just copy and paste the same question every year what do you do to fix it and it's just like i don't know incentivize it that's all i can really think of but outside of that it's just the players have to care and i don't even know if incentivizing it will make them care
1: yeah, that's it, exactly. We saw it with the in-season tournament. If the players care, the fans will care. If the players don't care, the fans aren't going to care either. That's what we're getting at, and that's okay. Maybe maybe we just say, hey, it is what it is. It's a break in the middle of the season. It's a chance to, to take a breather before we get into the home stretch. And maybe we just say we're okay with that, especially now that the end season tournament is is off and running.
0: All right, now that we're out of the All Star break, holler at me about this LeBron injury. He's going to be listed out tonight on TNT against the Warriors. They're supposed to travel to the Bay, and he looked uh, pretty healthy. I mean, in the All Star game and through the All Star break. Um, considering against the war, it's against the Warriors. I think it's going to be hyped up. It's going to be talked about more. Um, because you want to see Steph and LeBron on the court at the same time as much as possible. It's good for the consumer. It's good for the NBA ultimately. But what do you make of all this? Like, is it is it, is it frustrating? Is it? Um, do, do, do you do you sort of think the Lakers are are just trying to load manage at this moment? Like, what what do you make of LeBron being out first game out of the All Star break when seemingly they had some rest?
1: Well, I haven't uh, I haven't got any confirmation from the Lakers specifically, but it sounded like the way LeBron was talking during his media availability during All-Star Weekend, it, it was that he was going to have something, some work done on his ankle after the All-Star game. And, you know, a lot of Lakers fans are frustrated if that's the case. Why wasn't that done before the All-Star game? Why was the All-Star game a priority? Shouldn't, have this done, uh, shouldn't that game have been skipped if that would mean he's back in time for this game against the Warriors? The Warriors are one game back or at least one slot behind the Lakers right now in terms of the standings. They're sitting in 10th, the Lakers are in ninth. So there's some frustration on, on that side of things. Why did LeBron play in the All-Star game and now not play uh, in this game against the Warriors, which is, is pivotal in terms of the playoff race? Now, I don't I don't know exactly what the situation was. I think where I ultimately landed that if playing in the All-Star game in any way could have prevented him from playing in this game or diminished the chances of him playing in this Warriors game that he should not have played. He should have gone, smiled and waved, and never stepped foot on the floor. The NBA probably doesn't like that answer. And and conversely, if doctors said, you know what, you're not going to wind up uh, changing what's going to happen, you're going to have to miss this Warriors game no matter what, then fine, get out there on the floor, throw down a dunk or two, and then unfortunately you've got this scheduled. Uh, game that you're going to miss here against the Warriors. So I think that's where I land on it. Um, but Lakers fans, not thrilled that LeBron played in the All-Star game. In general, uh, not thrilled that he played in the All-Star game and now is missing this important game against the Warriors.
0: Now, I want to break down these teams' playoff chances uh, one by one. Let's start with the Lakers. They are three and a half games behind uh, the Pelicans for the sixth spot in the Western Conference. What do you think about them making a run? And and what do you think about their playoff aspirations? I, I think it's it's interesting – um we've always talked about Anthony Davis and and his availability and and you know him being injured and uh maybe not ready for playoff situations he has been healthy just about all year and this is one of his I mean statistically one of the best years of his career but what do you think about this Lakers team heading down the stretch of this season
1: well what's interesting it really feels like they're picking up some momentum right now and They've actually, over the last 10 games, they have a better net rating with LeBron off the floor than on, which I I can't remember a time where that's ever been the case. It's typically been LeBron subs out and everything falls apart for the Lakers. Now, I don't think that would hold over the long term. I think some of that small sample size. But you've got a lot of guys that have really stepped up their game over the last few weeks. D'Angelo Russell has been fantastic. Rui Hachimura has started to pick things up. He's had a really strong three games, including uh, last three, including... Uh, his last game against the Jazz heading into the break, he had a, a career-high 36 points. So, uh, and Austin Reeves seems to have rebound his efficiency. So, this team is playing with a lot of confidence right now. There's a lot of energy, a lot of positive momentum around them. So, I think they are really looking at not just making it into the play-in, but they really want to move up. And that's not going to be easy in a Western Conference where teams just keep winning games, but they want to move up and they think they, they can do it. Um, it's going to take quite a run if they're going to move all the way up to say the sixth seed or something and get out of the play-in, but uh, but they believe they can do it.
0: Now the Warriors are staring that thing down. I heard Brandon Pajemski; he was he was talking about trying to get to that six six spot. Warriors have been playing better ball, I'd say, for the most part. Um, I mean, uh, before the All-Star break, they what won, they won six out of seven, I believe. Um, and you see some of those young guys coming along, namely Jonathan Kaminga. looks like they're going to get Chris Paul back here relatively soon. Um and Clay Clay Thompson his his first bench game um, he, he dropped thirty five that team I have been trying to make sense of them I mean early in the year I said okay it's done for them it's completely done for them but I still see a path for them to be a lower seated team and, and upset some of the teams at the top of the Western Conference because in the end of the day um, if they are a playing team they get to that seven or eight spot and you're matched up against the Timberwolves or the Thunder they have the championship DNA and the experience over those teams. Um, what do you think about the Warriors?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Warriors are one of those teams where I was on the verge of saying, okay, they're probably done. And then they went on this run, like you said, six uh, of their last seven. They've won. They've looked really good. Clay Thompson is now adjusting to a role off the bench, and that seems to be something that, I mean, based on the, the first results there, that 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 could work for them. So this is, I mean, they were the lower seed against Sacramento last year in the playoffs. Right. And, they still got through this is the team they could be the proverbial team that nobody wants to see in round one I mean who wants to deal with if you're if you're Minnesota and you're having your breakthrough season who wants to get the reward of drawing Steph Curry in round one knowing that he can just go berserk from three on any given night and, and then you're going home so I think that this team can still be a force to be reckoned with they're not the Warriors of old they're not uh, the team that, that everybody fears they are very beatable but they're also capable of hanging with anybody in the Western Conference. And that's what's going to make the West so exciting. It's that so many teams have a real shot at getting through here, but the Warriors, I, I think if they continue this run, and they continue to-, to stack up wins, and it's looking like there's some separation, they're probably at least going to be in the play-in. Um, they're-, they're not going to be an easy team to deal. They're not going to deal with. They're not going to be an easy out come playoff time, because like you said, they do have that championship experience. And at the end of the day, <laughs> They've got Steph Curry and nobody else does, and that can be a major deciding factor.
0: I mean, I totally, I, what I foresee is truthfully, last year when we had the Lakers get the seven spot, the Grizzlies in the two spot, an up and coming team versus a team with experience who played really well down the stretch. We're starting to see the Warriors play like that. It feels very similar to that, is how this could all shake out, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's exactly how this could. I mean, if you're OKC, who isn't really playoff tested man you do not you don't want to see the lakers you don't want to see the warriors you don't want to see these teams with that kind of experience in round 1 that's for sure
0: um who's at the top of the western conference right now when you talk about like making it out is is it the clippers like truthfully they've stayed healthy they've been phenomenal all year since they got james harden i i have to eat a little crow i didn't know that it would it would go this smoothly but they've been phenomenal like i i mean is it the clippers obviously you don't want to forget about the nuggets but the nuggets are not pacing the season the way they did a year ago
1: no, I mean, I still think the Nuggets are, are the team to beat in the West. They are, I mean, they've, they've lost three in a row, but you can kind of, you get the feeling where they're ready to just fast forward to the postseason. As long as they've got everybody healthy, they're so smart with the way they execute down the stretch. You've got some other teams, and the Clippers have been great, don't get me wrong. They're right there with them. Wouldn't shock me if the Clippers were to get past the Nuggets at all. But Denver, you see the way they execute late in games. They know exactly where to send the ball. They know exactly where their shots are going to come from. And they just find ways to produce late in games. So even though they're sitting in the four seed, I, I kind of feel like it's just a lackadaisical thing right now from the Nuggets where they know they know they don't have to push down on the gas pedal much right now. It's just about getting into the postseason. And then they'll pick things up again. So I still have them being the top of the West. But right behind them, yeah, I would slot the Clippers. I would slot them ahead of Minnesota and OKC, who are actually ahead in the standings right now. The Clippers and the Nuggets are 3-4 respectively, but I would order it in terms of power rankings. I would go Denver and then Clippers and then the other two uh, in that order because I do think the Clippers, with their experience, with the firepower they've got, they are, I think, the most likely team to upset the Nuggets right now in the West.
0: Talking with Trevor Lane at Trevor underscore Lane on X. Now let's, get, let's move over to the Eastern Conference, and really what's come under fire through the All-Star break is – uh. You know the Bucks three and seven with Doc Rivers in his first ten, and you have JJ Reddick going on ESPN on first take saying he throws everybody under the bus. I guess I'll start with JJ Reddick's comments. Do you find any problem with them? Do you find any disagreement with them?
1: No, I mean look, J- JJ and a lot of these guys, they're going to do, they're going to say what they think, they're going to say what they feel, and I don't have a problem with that, especially because you know JJ, it's not like he's saying this stuff. Behind Doc's back, like these these comments are going to get to Doc. He knows he's going to hear them, and if they want to have a conversation about it, they can certainly do that. They're they're going to move in the same circles. So I don't have a problem with JJ saying what he thinks, uh, as far as all that goes. It's certainly going to going to generate engagement for him. So I I think it's great if if he feels the need to call out Doc Rivers, to call out the Bucks, and call out what's what's been going on. Um, I I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. Once again, that, that's something where. If Doc ever ever has an issue with it, he can call up JJ directly and and address it. So, um, yeah, no no problem on my side from that. But three and seven in the last ten, it, it's been it's been tough for a team that should be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Now they're still thirty five and twenty one. So it's right. like, Not like they're suddenly below five hundred or anything like that. But you gotta start being a little bit worried if you're the Bucs. How much of this is you're kind of just cruising to the postseason versus? Is, is there something really wrong here with the Bucs? Because this is the team, let's not forget, that shockingly got bounced in the first round last year when most people had them as an Eastern Conference Finals uh, team at minimum, if not an NBA Finals team. So they've got a lot still to prove, and this stretch is not going to make their fans feel any better about the quality of this team and what they can do in the postseason.
0: Well, they were ready for Kabul, according to Doc. That, that's the thing about the J.J. Reddick <laughs> comments. Is It's just, it, it, he's right. I hate to say it. I hate to put it out there that bluntly, but he is correct. I remember when Doc was uh, coaching the 76ers, he had a a full tirade. Somebody asked him about his playoff success, and he's like, you know, when I was with the Magic, we were an 8 seed, and we didn't have a whole lot of talent. Uh, when I was with the Clippers, Chris Paul's hamstring gave out. Uh, with the 76ers, Joel Embiid's been hurt, and he has not been himself. It just feels like there's always something with Doc.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kendrick Perkins being a- –
0: Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in. Baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.
1: That was why they didn't win in 2010.
0: Right? <laughs> right I mean, exactly. Right. It's,
1: it's it's always it's always something. You know what? I mean, when you blow a three-one series lead, like you've you got to have something to fall back on, and. And I guess that's what what's happening here. But, yeah, I mean, look, this, this team should be much better than they've been recently. Can they still turn it around? Yes. And I'll tell you this, Gabe, right now I'm looking at the at the Bucks schedule. It's this coming week, this next week here, this is their shot. Starting Sunday through next Friday, it's Philadelphia without Embiid, two games against the Hornets, a game against Chicago. That is their get-right stretch, right? We talk about get-right games all the time in the NFL. This is the opportunity right here because after that, they go Clippers, Golden State, Lakers, Clippers again, Kings. It gets really tough. That's their window. They have to figure things out next week. Otherwise, they could be in for a real bumpy ride.
0: And isn't the biggest thing with the Bucs this year? Yeah, they don't really have a perimeter defender. They tried to bring in Pat Bev at the trade deadline. Um, But I I think more so than anything, Dame's not himself this year. And and that could change with these last 26 or, you know, the second half, even though it's not actually the second half. Um, But – I, I look at Dame and 34% from three and 24 points per game, and I think, what, 42% from the field. That's not that's not what they traded for.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would expect those numbers to come up, right, considering that last season with Portland he was 32 points. Okay, that's a volume stat. But 37% from deep last season, uh, getting to the free throw line almost 10 times per game at 91% efficiency there and 46% from the field. That's great. That's on a Portland team that had to lean on him heavily to do pretty much everything. Typically, when a guy goes to a team where he has more help, the shot attempts go down, but the shot quality goes up. The percentages go up because he's getting more wide-open opportunities. That hasn't happened here. And so, hopefully, what's happening is not Dame slowing down. He's a a smaller guard. He's 33 years old. If that's happening, that that could be problematic for Milwaukee moving forward. He's still great, but he's just not quite that hyper-efficient guard that milwaukee thought they were getting and i think that that's that could be an issue for them they really need him to figure it out we talked about the bucks needed to get it right over this next week or so Dame, you know coming off of the three-point contest can that kind of jump start his season because they need that efficiency to go through the roof over the next few weeks playing off of Giannis, he should be getting plenty of open looks and needs to start knocking those down
0: now the 76ers uh do you feel like a free fall is about to happen i mean it sort of started here before the all-star break um, with Joel Embiid being out. They lost uh, five of seven, I believe, before the All-Star break. Uh, but with Joel Embiid out and, and getting surgery and you don't know what it's going to look like when he comes back and how long that's going to take, um, it, it feels like they're just going to free fall. Free fall. And, 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 and what did you make also uh, on top of that? What did you make of what they did at the trade deadline, acquiring Buddy Heald? It, it felt like they just sort of made moves to make moves.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hate the Buddy Heald move because they preserved all their future cap flexibility, which they're in kind of a somewhat unique position that they can chase after a big name with their with their cap space that they'll have this summer. And they added some firepower in Heald uh, without having to really sacrifice that. So I, I, in that sense, I think it was a good move because you, you were able to, to kill two birds with one stone. You added a player that can really get hot and that can give you some scoring with Embiid out. Uh, obviously not in the same way, but can give you that scoring punch, and you didn't negatively impact your future at all, really. So, uh, I liked it from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, this team—let's face it—this is this is what it is. Without Embiid, they're done. Yeah. I mean, they're they're done. And there's a lot of teams that are in that boat. There's a lot of teams if you were to take their guy off the team, they're done. So they are right now just trying to keep their head above water and hope that Embiid can come back and get ramped back up because who knows what percentage he's going to be back at even when he gets back on the floor they need him to get back to 100 percent come playoff time i am as big of a tyrese maxi uh guy as you'll find i I have such an appreciation for his game but he's not enough to get them where they want to go especially if you look at their upcoming schedule new york cleveland milwaukee boston like they it's a tough stretch for them. So I think this slide is going to continue for the 76ers, but the only thing that really matters to them at this point is staying out of the play-in, which I'm not certain they're going to. It's going to be, It may end up being close. Depends on when Embiid comes back, but all that matters is staying out of the play-in and getting Embiid back and healthy. After that, they will take any slot they can get and just hope that a healthy Embiid is enough, and if they don't get a healthy Embiid back, then none of this matters anyway.
0: Now, how about these Grizzlies? Obviously 20 and 36, but... Um, they won two games going into the all-star break with just, I mean, G League, two-way, 10-day guys. Now, they've converted two contracts, and I want to ask you about those guys. G.G. G. Jackson, Vince Williams, Jr., how much do you think they've found going forward for this rotation going into next year and years to come?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think these are both really solid pieces that that they've found that uh, have the ability to help this team. I mean, you look at you look at their last game, which they beat the, the Bucks that we've been talking about. Right. I mean... Williams, Williams goes for 12 boards and 7 assists with 18 points. Gigi Jackson, 27 points on 6 of 10 from 3. I mean, that, that's found gold when you can get guys to to show that kind of ability. That's not like you're going to expect them to do that kind of stuff next season once Ja is back, once Dez is back, once those guys are back in the mix. But knowing that you've got that kind of a talent, that is a way that you can capitalize on a lost season Without it being truly a lost season right you can still get something from it because now you're finding pieces that can help you next year is it going to be pretty at all times this season is it going to be fun like that went over the box. No, of course not but but. If you add pieces at a low cost, right. like you've done here with Gigi Jackson, we've done with, with Williams, you, you're you're making progress, and that's exactly what the Grizz need to do right now.
0: Yeah, and with the luxury tax implications, like they sort of lucked into a little bit of money ball here with those two guys. I, my favorite stat, because I think Dylan Brooks is 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 a guy who's who's missed here to a certain extent in Memphis, but obviously they were never going to be able to pay him, you know, the whatever ninety million dollars he got over four years. Um, but when you look going into next year, he's going to make $22 million with the Rockets, while Marcus Smart, G.G. G. Jackson, and Vince Williams Jr. are going to count uh, It's for $23 million going into next year. They lucked into Moneyball, but you, you're definitely glad considering where they're at in the luxury tax. You're, you're glad they did.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's the type of thing that can make all the difference in the world for, for your team and how you're building out the rest of your roster. I know some people don't like getting into all the – the financials of it and everything, and you just want the best players. But you got how to do though. You assemble a team in terms of the contracts. Yeah, that that matters. That matters a ton. And uh, and they are definitely fortunate to have found these guys. And again, it it adds a little bit of fun, a little bit of excitement uh, to what otherwise you know is a pretty down season for Memphis. But as I've been saying, I think they're a team that can be right back at the top of the West as soon as next year.
0: So obviously, the trade deadline, they made some sort of money saving moves. Some. Roster flexibility moves, they're probably going to add a center to, to put alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. going into next year. Um, but but they're going to have this lottery pick. I mean, how how do you expect them to use that? Like, I, I know it's probably a little too early to sort of um, talk about that and really project exactly what they're going to do. They're probably going to look at some prospects, figure out where they land in the lottery, and then decide from there. But I feel like that pick is is definitely one that's up for potentially being moved around the, around the draft.
1: Oh, I agree hundred percent. I think, you know, this is, I think one of the challenges is that you need some teams to start getting excited about the draft. Uh, what we've heard so far, especially at the trade deadline was that the value of 2024 picks was somewhat suppressed because teams were seeing it as a weak draft class, but you know what, the closer we get to the draft itself, the more teams are going to be fully invested into watching footage of these players, and I'm not even into my my draft analysis just yet, right. but teams are going to be really digging deep into this stuff. GMs are going to be getting really involved into this whole process, and what you need is for some teams to start getting excited about some of these lottery pick players because I, I agree. I think that when you've got so many guys, you've got so many talented players that are right now just out for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are not this team. They're not a a lottery team, right, if they've got everybody healthy. So when you've got the kind of talent that you're projecting to have come back for next summer or next season, I think you've got to consider moving that pick. If you can find the right offer, you can find the right team that falls in love with the right guy, absolutely. You can get yourself a boost uh, to, to really hit the ground running next season and be, again, like I said, right back up there at the top of the list. That pick has got to be made available. You've got to find out what's out there, what kind of offers are there. Um, if you can find a young talent that can help you out, sure, but – Mm-hmm. I think Jaw is ready to win right now. So I'm if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm shopping that pick for sure.
0: So with that, I, I know I'm gonna sound glass half full, but hey, it is what it is. Um I, I, I've been very happy to see Vince Williams Jr. and G G and some of these developmental guys and seeing what they give every night. It's been kind of fun to watch, believe it or not. I know that the the, the last twenty six games of the year are not gonna be very fun to watch. Everybody's uh in, in Grizz Twitter is diving in doing their deep dives into draft analysis at this particular moment, and I completely understand that. Um but, but could you view this year as almost a blessing in disguise? And, and I don't mean that in the fact that, like, you didn't have high hopes. You had high expectations coming into this year, and they uh, inevitably fell short because of all the injuries. But because of those injuries, it definitely shined a light on the shortcomings of the roster. Um, you, you had to give other guys shots, like Vince Williams Jr., who may not have gotten the same shot if all these guys were healthy at the same time and you were competing at the highest of levels. So – like, how much can I can, can can Grizzlies fans sort of look at this season as, uh, yeah, it's, it's bad, it's not overly fun, but long-term, it may have been a blessing.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and we've seen that happen a few times in NBA history, where a team just gets besieged by injuries and other things, and they wind up the better for it. We think about the San Antonio Spurs, the year that Dave Robinson got hurt and turns into Tim Duncan. I'm not saying they're getting that in the NBA draft, but we've seen examples of that happening before, where... A temporary step backwards actually helps to slingshot a team forward because they're able to get that high value asset with that draft pick that, that they got uh, out of it. So, uh, and in addition to, like you said, the players that they've now found, this could set the Grizzlies up very, very nicely moving forward. Again, that the pain of this season is not fun, but moving forward, this could actually put them in an even better position than had everybody stayed healthy and been available all season long. That's not out of the question. Again, the, the pain of this season is real, but I think the future is is extremely bright, especially I can't wait to see what they do uh, with their pick on draft night and where their pick actually falls when we see that.
0: Yes, sir. I think that's well said. But, Trevor, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for hopping on. We'll do it again soon. Sounds great, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. That is Trevor Lane. Uh, that you have been hearing. He is from Lakers Nation. He also does the front office show with Keith Smith, who joins the show every once in a while as well. He is on X at Trevor underscore Lane. Now, we need to go ahead and hop into the Blitz coming up in just a moment. And in the Blitz, we have to talk about what Pete Thamel reported on college football yesterday. We're going into a 12-team playoff next year, but the college football playoff committee is already looking at expanding the college football playoff. More on that next, 92.9 FM, ESPN.